0: now, from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones.
1: Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf. Our thanks, by the way, to Josh Showers previewing Sealands Grove. The coach, Dick Hort, previewing Shikalimi, and to Greg Wetzel for previewing Lewisburg in the previous half hour. This half hour will shift gears to Penn State and Ohio State. My broadcast partner, Jack Campbell will join me in just a few moments. First, our play by play call today. Max Scherzer gets it done for the 300th time this season.
2: He's ready. The 3 2 pitch coming home. Swing and a miss. He got him on a slider. And there it is. Scherzer's 300th strikeout here in 2018. And this crowd will salute the great Max Scherzer. He is the 36th pitcher in the modern era of baseball to strike out 300 batters in a season. And he will soak in the
1: applause. Courtesy of WJFK, the Nationals have had a season in so many ways to forget, but not... When it comes to Max Scherzer. With that, we'll shift gears now. Beaver Stadium, Saturday night, probably over 110,000 will be on hand to watch the Lyndon Lions take on Ohio State. And my broadcast partner, she's been almost 20 years now, Jack Ham. Jack, welcome. Great to have you with, with us, Jack.
3: Well, twenty years go by very quickly, Steve. And uh, good to be on your show. It's
1: great good to ha- it's great to have you. All right, let's start with with this. When you look at uh, Penn State's defense, for example, let's start with linebacker play. What do the linebackers, in your opinion, need to clean up to then become more effective within the scheme?
3: Well, I think number one, uh, they're, they're read and react, especially for the young guys, the guys like uh, Parsons out there or Luketta or even Alice Brooks, who has, I think, played some solid football yeah. in, the, in the middle. But I think what they've got to do is, you know, it's read and react. I think now, as James Franklin said, there's no more freshmen out there. They're, we're all, you know, we've played four games already. And, and when you, I think I see those guys getting more and more comfortable, especially a guy like, uh, like Parsons, uh, you know, especially in the second half of last week. You know, now he's just—it's more instinctive. He runs down a play, takes a good angle, and he uses that great speed he has. And a play that normally would go for four or five yards or turn the corner downfield, he was able to cut that thing off and make the play right along the sideline for no gain. That—those are the type of plays that I think going forward in the in this season need to be made by a lot of the young guys.
1: Uh, the play, for example, that Jan Johnson made, where Amani Oruwari it breaks the play up, but he is rallying to the ball. How important is that?
3: Well, you know, linebackers—they you know, get preached to all the time on the defensive side of the ball when that ball's in the air, and you have to have all eleven guys flying to the football because you do not know what's going to what's going to occur. A good example of that is Franco Harrison or your reception going to the football back back when that's that's uh, taught to Franco by Joe many many years ago. But uh, you go to the football, you fly to the football because you know that anything can happen. A ball gets deflected again. You got to give him a money, a lot of credit. Number one challenging that receiver on the outside, getting his hand in there, getting that ball deflected up the air, and, and Jan Johnson coming up and making the interception. It was good to see linebackers get a couple of picks in this game, Steve. I think in the passing game, they got to be more and more of a factor as the season goes on. And then a good break on the ball by Ellis Brooks. And that's exactly how you read the quarterback, you know you get familiar with the pattern that, that's being run you break on the football underneath the receiver and you make the interception so for linebackers you get a couple of interceptions i think that was a good thing
1: all right we knew that when james franklin took the job in area he was going to have to really throw a lot into to rebuild for obvious reasons was the offensive line now into the fifth year you see a group of linemen that have been playing together and now they're developing into veterans how cohesive in your opinion is that group through four games
3: well, I think right now, I think each game, you know, you know, they've gotten better and better. And I think the key thing is we haven't had any defensive line. So, you know, you got to all work together, all five guys up front. I think Bates and Gonzalez on that left side are really starting to really take control. You know, a lot of times, a lot of the runs by Miles Sanders, he'll bounce it to the outside and And those two guys are just walling off people downfield. They're both huge. I mean, Gonzalez is 325 pounds, and Bates is very athletic out there as well. So the offensive line staying together, being healthy, and all the experiences they have had, and I think that's why this offensive line, and James Franklin said it in preseason camp, he thought the strength of the football team on the offensive side of the ball could be the offensive line. And I agree with him.
1: And the next part, too, Jack, is that the tight ends. I mean, look, Mike Kosicki was a marvelous pass catcher, a, a matchup nightmare. But he'd be the first to tell you, look, I need to be a better blocker. Have you seen the tight ends participate in the blocking part that's helped the running game?
3: Oh, without a doubt. I think if you're going to come off the edge a lot of times and run by miles center to the outside, your tight end has got to get that push on either the outside linebacker or sometimes even a defensive end. And you know, I, I see that right now. I think a got that's getting some separation out there right now is Friermuth. I think with all the other tight ends, been rotating throughout the first four games, all of a sudden he's getting more and more playing time out there. We're calling his number that much more. He's a combination of pretty good receiver out there, good blocker as well, and I think he could be a big factor as well in his game coming up. Blocking at the point of attack on the outside by your tight end a lot of times gets that running back Miles Sanders to the outside and gets him outside clean.
1: Now let's take it to the other part, the guy running with the ball, the ability to use the blocks. What have you seen in Miles Sanders' development as a running back?
3: Well, you know what? He's patient at times, and then when he he makes a decision, he plants that foot, and he goes forward down downhill. Uh, like I said, he's probably lost about five to seven pounds, but he's gotten stronger and he's bigger. And, and he ends up getting underneath a lot of the linebackers and defensive backs downfield. Very, uh, I didn't know, Steve, that he was going to be this kind of physical running back that he has been here so far in the first four games. And, you know, when the offensive linemen see him busting tackles, breaking tackles, going downfield, and plus he's got explosive speed as you saw him go all the way for the, for the long touchdown run. So when offensive linemen see a guy like that, and it's not only Sanders but all the running backs, I think all of a sudden you want to block and hold your blocks even that much more.
1: All right, let's get to the pass game because uh, he did uh, hint with us in the post game show. He said, "Look, he said we got to be better in the pass game." And you and I both know that the quarterback can throw it to the spot, but if the receiver isn't in the spot they're supposed to be, sometimes it can make a quarterback look bad. What can this? What is the potential, in your opinion, of what this pass game can be if it's hitting on all cylinders?
3: Well, and I, James talked, alluded to the fact of, of getting the right depth on as a wide receiver or even a tight end or even a back out of the backfield. you know, you got to get spacing like you do in basketball uh, with your wide receivers and the combination. And, and McSorley's got great timing with his receivers. The good thing was that he got Johnson, John Johnson, four catches, big part back into the offensive passing game. You've got him involved, and I think going into this game against Ohio State, that's what they're gonna to need to be. There's gonna be a lot of man coverage out here with Ohio State. That's what they love to play yep. with their corners and safeties. And it's gonna be as as Franklin talked about, I said there's gonna be some jump balls, fifty fifty balls downfield. You're gonna to have to fight for every yard you gain rushing, you're gonna to have to fight for every yard you gain in the passing game as well. And that's why our wide receiver I think is gonna be one of the keys have to have to step up. But getting Johnson involved in last week's game for four catches and over 100 yards, I think that was big.
1: What what do you think it will mean for Penn State on a path to victory if they can get some pressure on Dwayne Haskins and make him do a couple things that he has not been used to doing?
3: Well, I I think truly that is the key, because it it has been way too easy for, for Haskins right now. If you look at the tape of the first four games, He sits in the pocket in a two lane game. It could have been a skeleton passing drill because, you know, he was four down linemen trying to rush the passer. Ohio State offensive line has a pocket for him, and he's waiting back there for his receivers on a deep crossing route or post pattern downfield to deliver the football. You know, you got to get into his face a little bit. You know, things that he has not had in the first four games and he's also going to be a first away game because this is you know, truly going to be a away game not the game in Arlington where there were so many Ohio State people there crowd noise can be a factor as well but yeah, our defensive line and how we do this with either pressure with linebackers we have some safety blitzes I'm sure as well but to sit, let him sit back there and be comfortable and just throw the football at his leisure is not going to be a, you know, a way for Penn State to win this football game. They're going to have to get in his face a couple of times and actually Tulane did that a couple of times in in the game last week and they ended up being errant throws or incomplete pass
1: right uh you know it's always the threat balance is the threat that you can do either with complete competency at any time when you look at the Ohio State running game what are you
3: seeing? well that's the thing the balance I mean they, they they average 233 yards and if you look at the game they played in Arlington, they uh, that second half they just started to hammer the football against a smaller, lighter uh, defensive line, and just really took control of the football game. When you have Dobbins carrying the football along with Weber and that offensive line, it takes its toll. And even TCU lost the following week as well because that's a pretty physical team with the Ohio State offensive line against uh, TCU. So uh, I think, you know, when you spread formations, RPOs, everything out there, Steve, if you run the football effectively, I, mean, yeah, I think that opens everything up for you. And often you control the line of scrimmage. You, you control the time of possession. The play-action passing will work as, as well. I mean, it, it, I know that's old school, but running the football, I think, is the, the one way to be, be really effective and win a football game.
1: Obviously, Cooper... Young, Cornell, they're really, really good defensive ends. They're all very talented defensive ends. Nick Bosa's obviously a cut above. What kind of domino effect does a guy off the edge like Bosa have for a defense whether it's a linebacker, a secondary, or even the defensive tackle next to him?
3: Well, I, I think this, this front four, Steve, if you look at it, you, as a quarterback a lot of times you can't step up in a pocket either because they're getting a good push from the inside. And Bosa and all those speed guys on the outside can, 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 can end up rushing the pass. Plus, a lot of times, they've gotten so many teams in second and long, second and 10, you know, third and long situations where all of a sudden, I mean, you're trying to throw the football against a stacked deck here right now with that yeah. defensive line. If we can get that extra split second for McSorley to find receivers downfield, this protection by our offensive line will be so critical in this game. So the McSorley can get that, you know, that, that split second longer to look downfield or to get out of the pocket. Mobile quarterbacks have given Ohio State some problems before. Obviously, McSorley is that, but you know, when it comes down to this: our offensive line. How well our offensive line plays against a very talented defensive front for Ohio State is going to be the key.
1: In the last two years, the role of special teams in this game has been important. Of course, two years ago, the block punt by Cam Brown led to a field goal, and then, of course, the block field goal by Marcus Allen and Grant Haley. Last year was an opening kickoff return by Saquon Barkley, but then Ohio State blocked a punt which then turned the game around. How do you view the two special teams on these teams this year?
3: Well, again, you know when you get two teams like this who are awfully, awfully talented, but especially on the offensive side of the ball, and uh, and you could be even there. All of a sudden, those special teams come come into play, and you're right about the fact you know, were able to you know get on top of Ohio State early in that football game with the Barkley kickoff return. But uh, uh, this game right now, I, I think that the the comfort level of having some guys. you know, I'm not worried about yelling out there in the punting situation. Right. And there will be some punts out there. And even are going to have to pin Ohio State deep in their own territory and make them go the length of the football field. But you've got some young kicker out there. But you know what? You're playing at home right now. And it's going to be an energy you know, at, for this whiteout. And I, and I think the comfort level of playing this game at home at Beaver Stadium, I think maybe it will go to the advantage of Penn State in this game on special teams.
1: You and I have done all the whiteouts here at Beaver Stadium. For you, with all the experience you've had, what's that like for you to see and experience?
3: That is, you know what, Steve. I, I would always pride myself on you. You got to focus on what you're doing. You got to block, block everything else out that's going on—the fans and whatever. But you can't do that. I mean, this is this whiteout on, on Saturday night here for this football game. This is something that you can't prepare for if you're Ohio State. I mean, some of the guys that played two years ago, yes. But still coming in here, having a young a quarterback who hasn't hasn't played a true away game right now is a is an incredible experience to see the you know the hundred and ten thousand fans out are all in white at at a night game like this, and it's something special to see that. You know, that's why these guys came to Penn State, to play in games like this against a quality opponent and have a you know, home crowd there for, for the whiteout. You know, that, that's what you play for in games like this. So uh, I'm, I'm sure these guys are just looking forward to it and then I'm sure ready to get on.
1: And so are we. Uh, looking forward to it on Saturday. We're looking forward to it as well. Jack, pleasure, my friend. Uh, I will see you in a couple days.
3: All right, Steve. Take care.
1: Jack Ham, my broadcast partner. Nearly 20 seasons. And, yes, we've done all the whiteout games at Beaver Stadium. We're looking forward to this one on Saturday night. A lot of great storylines, a lot of great intrigue. But you can do all the storylines you want. Because everyone knows I think storylines are pretty much irrelevant once the ball gets kicked. At that point, you play ball, and these games are all... Look, as much as you... Sports is so much ad-lib... That's why when we talk about somebody having, quote, the it factor, okay, and nobody can really define it, and people who are big believers in analytics have no belief in the it factor at all, none. They forget that sports is ad lib. I can sit there and I can game plan all I I want, and I've got, okay, Pass, plays set up, and so forth, and then the play breaks down. And now I've got to ad-lib, and now I've got to make a decision. And the really, really good ones make great decisions at great moments. When it's ad-lib. Basketball. We can talk about all the structure of offense. A lot of ad-lib. Hockey. We could talk about, hey, being your lanes, things like that, but still ad-lib. Decisions made in baseball. Ad-lib. What pitch do I throw here? Do you think they go out there with a card saying, okay, we're going to go fastball here, curveball here, fastball here? No. You know what? A lot of ad-lib to it. See, that's where, for example, Gabe Kapler misses out. He forgets the game is ad-lib. you got to use your gut. you got to use your instinct. You've got to use your experience to make some plays. And that's why in sports we talk about all the storyline of this and the storyline of that and blah, 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 just a lot of blather, right? But there's a reality to it. A lot of the games that we watch are ad lib. (laughs) Well, everything you're about to hear in the next few moments will be scripted. They're called commercials. We'll do that in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. (laughs) A lot of people think it's at 8 o'clock. The game is at 7.30 on Saturday night. It'll be a 6 o'clock airtime on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Uh, The Red Sox won today 19-3. Really glad they made that game up. It's a 40-man roster. I can tell you that, like, if you've got tickets to tonight's game and you're expecting to see the Stars, the answer is no. <laughs> They're not going to play. There will be other guys playing tonight. They'll be under the category of others. All right. The Phillies play the Rockies tonight. Now, the Phillies and Rockies are in this time slot tomorrow. Then we're back on Friday. We're, I think I think we're going to get somebody from game day on Friday. I think. I hope. Uh we've been working on him. And obviously the king will be with us on Friday. The standings right now are not kind to the king. In the cellar, but plenty of time for him to move up. Yeah, but like he's losing ground. He is. I mean, he's what, twelve and nine? Yes. yes. Now you're in front. You're what?
4: Uh, Let's see. You have 12. Yeah, yeah, King has 12. You have 14. I think I have 15. I got the standings out of my desk. I didn't bring them in.
1: You sent me a text this morning. Oh, Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. You did send me a text. Let me look at my phone here. Let's see. Well, I don't think I would have started out with haha ha, the wicked witch is dead. I mean it's a little early in the season for that, don't you think? I'm uh, sixteen
4: and five, you are fourteen and seven, and the king twelve and nine. Yeah. After four weeks.
1: So John McGonagall from the C D T wants to get a hold of him. Right? How do I get back to him?
4: Well, you can relay the message to me, and I can do that through our Twitter account. I can do I that. I
1: mean, just tell him I'll do it. Um, right.
4: I'll ask him for his number, and then I'll relay it
1: to you. And Yeah, yeah th- we'll th- that. th- th- that's how we'll do it. I mean, I'll help him out. I mean, sure. because he tried to get a hold of me for something last year, and I never got back to him because I didn't know where to reach him. So tell him I'll do it, but I need a number to get a hold of him. Um. And we'll do that. It's been one of those. Uh, I think I've, I've handled everything with relative ease, but it seems like every time you turn around, you feel like you have them all done. Somebody else needs something. I mean, now, nah, I don't put out fires like some people.
4: Oh, yeah, yeah. How about it?
1: I mean, they have no time for anybody. <laughs> Before you head to the
2: Bloomsburg Fair, stop and get to Sunbury Motors Ford. Sunbury Motors is going to price all new Ford's at a level that makes it impossible to say no. You'll be feeling great driving to the fair in a 2018 Ford Escape for only 18,820. Sunbury Motors Ford wants to continue selling seven Ford's a day through the Bloomsburg Fair. Pack of the family in your 2018 Explorer. Explorers start under thirty grand at SMC, and they have 20 to choose from every edge. Focus, Fusion, Fiesta, Echo Sport will be discounted for SMC to sell seven new Fords every day through the end of the fair. Sunbury Motors has 70 new F-150s marked down to as low as $25,969 and just announced 0% for 72 months on F-150s. You'll save thousands over the term of your loan. SMC needs seven sales every day through the end of the Bloomsburg Fair. We'll see you at Sunbury Motors Ford in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury
0: taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones.
1: Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf. Phillies play Colorado tonight at Coors Field, and they're tomorrow. They'll be in this time slot tomorrow. So you can listen to the game on at work or on your way home from work or school or whatever it may be as we are your home for Phillies baseball look from March 29th through August 31st the sealers excuse me the phillies put together a magical summer I mean, a magical summer September it fell apart but ask yourself do you have the building blocks Going forward to be a real force for the next four or five years, yes. And we're proud to carry the games. We've been talking a lot about Penn State, Ohio State. My thanks to uh, my broadcast partner Jack Ham for being on the show today. And we're going to try. We're still trying to work to see when we get somebody from ESPN Game Day on the show for Friday. We'll see. We'll see how it pans out. How it works. Uh, the king, of course, will be there, and he will dominate whomever we get from ESPN Game Day. He was, I mean, dominate him. Sure, I mean, it's, it's the way the king is. Yeah. By
4: the way, we're looking ahead to next week. Uh, we have contacted the Philadelphia 76ers to uh, get in touch with Mike Moscala As training camp is now underway, not only for the 76ers but all the teams in the NBA. So we're lining that up as we speak. And also a week from tomorrow, Tony Knopp will return to the show
1: next Thursday. Oh, beautiful. Well, it's be great to talk with Tony again. Oh. A lot to talk about. I mean, what's interesting about uh, Tony is, like, for example, when he's on the show, and he starts talking about the business of sports mm-hmm. and really kind of strips away the veneer of, yeah. you know, the games and so forth, no matter what day he's on, for a certain individual, it feels like they're Hell Wednesday. <laughs> I mean, so <sorry. laughs> Correct Correctamundo. <laughs> Kevin always hated having him on the show. Not that Tony's not awesome, because he is. But he says, oh, it makes me look at sports like a business. I said, I said it is a business. <laughs> now, what makes the games exciting, see, this is why we talk about, and I was mentioning this before, data is really important in sports analytics are really important in sports now, if you especially if you use correctly you know what you're looking for why you're looking for it uh, for example sports performance and the data in sports performance can help you really shape a better more productive practice and a better and more productive preseason that get you ready for a season and, and games. They can do that because it gives you readouts that sit there and tell you a story. But what makes sports exciting is the ad-lib part of it because you don't know what's going to happen. You can script all the plays you want, but at some point, usually most teams will script pro, college, whatever, 10 to a dozen plays. After that, for the next 70 plays, you're on your own. You know, you've got some ideas of what you want to do, why you want to do it, and even the plays themselves can break down in such a way where it's ad-lib. I don't care if even it's a sport like golf, for example. The Ryder Cup is this week. Well, you don't hit every shot 320 down the fairway. You occasionally hit one that slices or hooks into the woods, and now you're behind a tree. And now you got to take that ball and you've got to hook it around that tree and get it onto the green, hey? That's ad lib. Hey, that's clever, and that's what makes sports so intriguing. In the analytic world, they're trying very hard to take the ad lib out of it, you know, to go with certain um, outcomes that are, are dependable. And I understand that, especially defensively, that really works for you. But there's a bottom line. You've got human beings playing this game, and some human beings can do it and some can't. Some human beings can make a play on pure athleticism. Some some have great athleticism but don't have the mind to play it. Others have a great mind to play it, but they're not great athletes, and so they try to make up for a step or two because they know how to play. But that's what makes it so much fun is the ad-lib and the unpredictability of it. Something that we've talked about before, and I touched on it earlier in the show, Kelly Bryant of Clemson did not go to practice Monday or Tuesday, and the former Clemson starting quarterback confirmed today he is going to transfer Now, he will not lose a year of eligibility because he's only played in the first four games, so he doesn't lose the year of eligibility by playing this year. He will have the advantage, from what I understand, of being able to transfer to another school and the ability to play right away in 2019 because he's planning on getting his degree this year. So that solves that. Here's the element that a lot of people are not going to expect out of this new rule. Of playing four games and then before you play game five, you're out. Is that you still, even though you even though you'll play four games in a year and you don't lose a year of eligibility, if you don't graduate and you're just transferring, you still have to sit out the next season. Expect the players that are doing this to then be to then ask the NCAA to grant waivers. It's going to be how the NCAA reacts to granting waivers as to whether there's a great, incredible wave of transfers a year from now. If they start granting waivers left and right, then you're going to see a lot more players next year put their name into the pool to transfer after four games because they're not getting enough playing time. And the waiver will be the key to them playing right away, unless, of course, they're graduating. They're graduating. They don't have to ask for a waiver. It's automatic. I mean, Jalen Hurts, for example, who's supposedly a very good student, uh, is going to finish out his season in Alabama. Some people think that he will transfer because he'll be able to play right away, even though it's his fourth year, because I believe he's planning on getting his degree this year, either in December or May, one of the two. So if you're a grad transfer Nothing's changed for you. Almost everyone thought back in the winter and early spring that in August, and we talked about this on the show, that in August they were thinking about allowing student athletes to transfer without the penalty of a year. And everyone said that in August that would come to fruition. August came and went. It never went and came to fruition. So you still have to sit out the year. Now, what's a compromise on that? Well, a compromise on that could be the college basketball rule. The college basketball rule is if you decide to transfer mid-year at the end of the semester and before the spring semester begins, say, for example, you're announcing you're transferring December 20th. All semester's over. You've completed your obligation. Okay? And before the spring semester starts, you announce you're transferring. So Bobby does that on December 20th, and he's going to leave said school, and he's going to transfer, say, to Penn State to play basketball. Bingo. Bobby comes to school, goes through the spring where he's just on the scout team, goes all the way through preseason and so forth, and – the non-conference games, and he's not playing. But suddenly on December 21st, 365 days later, Bobby is now eligible and gets to play the second semester. A potential compromise with this rule, that again is very advantageous for the student-athlete, but this is the direction the NCAA is going in, is that Kelly Bryant, for example, plays in the game on Saturday, uh, September 22nd. Again, he shouldn't have to worry about anything. From what we understand, he's getting his degree, so he'll be able to play next year anyway. But say, for example, he's in, in that boat where he has to sit out a year. Do you put in a rule that says, okay, Kelly Bryant played on September 22nd. On September 23rd, Kelly Bryant made it known to everyone that he is going to transfer from Clemson. Which would then mean September 23rd, 2019 would be the first day he can be eligible to play again. Is that a compromise? There are some people that said that this rule brought with it this unintended consequence. I never looked at it that way. I figured out people transferring out left and right after four games. and I think what you see now is a small number doing it because everyone's really still trying to get a feel for the rule. And I think in five years, that number's going to grow exponentially. The grad transfer rule went into effect, and in 2012, there were 11 players that used the grad transfer rule in college football to transfer and play right away the next year. Now turn the clock ahead six years. 200 players took advantage of this this past year. College basketball looks like the waiver wire in March and in April. 700 to 800 different players transferring from their schools to go someplace else. Some moving, quote, down because they want more playing time. Some that have really proven themselves at a lower level Division I school feels they can go out and they can help a big school. Joe Cremo at Albany is a good example. Hack of a job. Great shooter. It's a Villanova now. So unintended consequence? Not really. I think they have to take a look at the practicality of the rule. And part of the practicality of the rule is to look at what day you transfer as to when you're eligible again. Now, if you want to keep October 15th as a key date, because that's the first date that you're allowed to put your name into the database to transfer, do you say everybody's eligible from October 15th on? Or do you say it's from 365 days? So you play your last game on September 22nd, like Kelly Bryant did this year, declare on September 23rd you're transferring, and then have all the paperwork done by September 23rd. And then September 23rd, 2019, you're playing whether you have your degree or not. Something to think about. Some people get into a really tough Wednesday, they just can't think at all. We'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. News Radio 1070 WKOK, we are Penn State.
2: Surly takes it back in the end zone, John Johnson, touchdown Penn State! Hi
1: everybody, this is Steve Jones, join Jack, Hamm and me Saturday night at Beaver Stadium as the Nittany Lions take on Ohio State. Kickoff is set for 7.30, we're on beginning at 6 on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Nittany Lions football on News Radio 1070 WKOK is sponsored in part by Register Chevrolet and First National Insurance. All right, great to be with you. Our thanks to Zach Showers, Greg Wetzel, and Dick Court for joining us on the show today at Preview High School Football, and also our thanks to Jack Ham in the previous half hour, and our thanks to Tom and Seelands Grove for being with us. Hi, Tom, how are you today?
5: Hey, great, Steve. How are yourself?
1: I'm doing well, thank you.
5: Hey, I'm curious, who do you think? I know we've got a plethora of weapons on offense, but... What's your feel as to who might be featured on offense for Penn State?
1: Well, obviously, you're going to have to feature Trace, obviously, because Trace, not only, of course, throwing the ball, but also when he gets himself involved in five to eight carries a game, he makes the running game better. doesn't have to run it 12, 15 times, but five to eight times. Miles Sanders would be another guy. And, look, you've got to be able to get K.J. Hamler the ball because Hamler's the kind of home-run threat, kind of electric threat that makes big plays. Now, other guys have to get into the mix, like Pat Friermuth and Holland and Jawan Johnson, okay, Paul Tompkins. But the you're, you want to talk about guys that can just do something at a given moment that change the dynamics of a drive or a game. McSorley, Sanders, and Hamler are the first three guys that I think of. Who do you think of, Tom?
5: Uh I think you nailed it with Trace. I mean, his running in the Illinois game was awesome, and I think it really sort of got into Ohio State's mind that, hey, he might run more than, than we're used to, uh, as as well as being such a threat passing. And, you know, Hamler, like you said, is has been such a nice surprise weapon this year as a true freshman. So, um, and, and Miles Sanders, what a great game. So I think the Illinois game really, I think you are right in line with what I'm, what I'm thinking, and I think Illinois really – featured those three guys to to really get in Ohio State's mind, you know, as as to uh weapons in addition to the receivers.
1: I think again, with McSorley, we know Trace can throw the ball John. But you know what? When he gets himself involved in the running game, not extensively. I mean, I don't want him out there and I know you don't either. You don't, you mm-hmm. do not want to see him take getting pounded 15 times in a game. Yeah. But if it's yeah. like 5 to 8 now suddenly the pass game becomes a little bit better because of the threat. Sanders becomes a little bit better because of the threats, or Ricky Slade. Just that's an added element you've got to account for.
5: I agree. Looking forward to watching it Saturday. I think it's going to be an exciting
1: one. Tom, thanks so much for your call. Appreciate it very much.
5: You're welcome. Bye,
1: Steve. All right, Brian in Elysburg is next. Hi, Brian. How are you today?
6: Okay, Steve. It's been great to uh, turn it down the sound and listen to you for all the games. I always do that. Thank you. Yeah, that's Thank right. You. Appreciate and, uh, that. Jack and, I, Jack, and I both, and... Jack and I Jack and I both
1: Jack and I both appreciate that.
6: Oh yeah. And I just want to let you know I'll be there for the last game this year. I can't wait to see you.
1: Beautiful. Look forward to seeing you. Oh
6: yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hopefully the weather won't be freezing like last year. <laughs> 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 yeah, real quick, real quick. it's Sorry to hear about Mark Allen and uh he's a great guy and and uh and also uh, I uh, I wish the team luck this uh, this Saturday, and, and uh, well, I'll be watching the game, and, uh, well, let's hope they have a great year yet, yeah, because uh, it's still a young team, but anything can happen, as we know. But it was good to uh, talk to you, buddy, and uh, call a great game this weekend, and, uh, I, you know, I listen to you all the time, and I had a, a break in between work today, so I can give you a call.
1: Uh, I appreciate that very much, Brian. You have a great day. We'll look forward to the game Saturday, and I look forward to seeing you right around Thanksgiving.
6: Oh yeah, I'll definitely uh I'll call you uh on that time of the year. Don't worry.
1: I look forward to it. Thank you, Brian.
6: Yeah, you got it, Steve. Yep, bye bye now.
1: Mark Allen, by the way, did a heck of a job during the course of his career. I felt that um uh I felt that uh Mark Allen made the most of his talent when he was at Penn State. I thought he maximized it out. Now, he was also there at a time when they had Saquon Barkley and Miles Sanders, so you're not going to quite get the reps. But you look at the job that Mark did, developing as a pass receiver, developing a run game, his ability to, hey, look, he would run tough between the tackles. So when he had his spots and he had his moments as a pass receiver, whatever, Mark Allen, I felt, maximized his playing time at Penn State. All right. This has uh, uh, been a fun show today. It's always fun to have Jack on. Uh, I was talking with somebody, you know, Brian said he listens to every game, which we appreciate. I mean, that's it's very nice. Today I was at the quarterback club, and a young man named Zach came up to me afterward, and he said, you know, I listen to every game in Germany. And it turns out that his job um has him right now stationed in Wiesbaden, Germany, near Frankfurt. And he said he has to get up sometimes at 3 o'clock in the morning to to catch a game. For example, like last week's game, he was up at 3 a.m. listening to the game because of the time difference. Game kicked off at 9 o'clock Eastern Time. So he was up at 3 a.m. listening to the game. It turned out that he was able to get back this week He's going to go to the game. And then it's back to Germany. And I said, well, Zach, how much longer are you going to be stationed there? He said, well, job-wise, he says I like it. He says, but, yeah, we do move. He said, and at some point, yeah, I'm going to move. He says, because you do miss, quote, being home. But I was really appreciative of that. That he took the time to come by and talk to me about that. That was really, really nice and appreciated. I told him I was going to pass that along to Jack. Because at one point, uh, now it's not not anymore, but Jack's sister at one point lived in Germany. So, yeah. Well,
4: just one small Penn State world we live in.
1: Yeah, it is. We're
4: global, man. Love it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. He's out there listening to the game on, you know, on, on, various apps including sometimes the wkok app like wow so i know for some people today wednesday's not their easiest day
4: it's all downhill to the weekend from here
1: we hope that we made today a little bit more palatable for anybody who considers wednesday to be their toughest day
4: we're here to serve
1: Tomorrow, the Phillies will be in this time slot. They'll take on the Colorado Rockies at Coors Field, three ten. The first pitch tomorrow, on at what two thirty five? Tomorrow, does that sound right? Yeeper, yep. And then we're back on Friday. Uh, we will get Jay Paterno on the show Friday. We know that, and the King will be on. Right now is in last place.
0: You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app.